All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwhead Talk Horror. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we are here once again to dissect, dismember, and discuss horror movies. Today's horror movie is going to be the 2023 Frankenstein horror movie titled The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. A modern-day retelling of Frankenstein, uh, making the rounds on Shudder right now, getting a lot of positive buzz. Uh, we'll go ahead and talk a little bit about that, but in the meantime, Andrew, how the hell are you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty good. It's, uh, you know, it's... It's these nice, weird, kind of warm days we have after random snow in uh, in the Northeast. So things are going pretty good. Uh, mm. though, actually, Dan, did you hear that apparently, uh, you know, in, in light of one of our recent episodes, uh, Noah Hawley, who is directing the um, Ang- uh, Alien TV series, apparently recently came mm-hmm. out and said that he doesn't think like, the Prometheus and uh, um, Alien Covenant kind of universe or like, prequels have any use in his uh, Alien universe. Oh, so I tossed him that entirely? I like, he didn't he didn't he didn't say that necessarily, but like there's an interview going around basically where he said that like he doesn't like you know he didn't see the, the feel and the look of it and everything he doesn't kind of like he likes the idea of the alien kind of being this perfect evolution thing not created kind of thing. Uh, so it sounds like it sounds like he's not a fan of the, of the prequels and might try to retcon them a little bit. Uh, has How do you feel up. about that, Andrew? I hate that. I hate that. I like I I just say that's a bad that's a sign of bad writing. Like I mean like I you you should be able like I, I it's like uh my my thought on um uh who who was it that was to do Alien 5 who did um District 9? What was his name? Oh, Neil Yeah, Neil Blomkamp or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's Blomkamp. like, "Oh, man, Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, he rewrote Alien uh so you know, Hicks and Newt didn't die." And blah, blah, blah. it's like, "Fuck fuck you." Like, sorry guys. Like I, I know that like obviously everyone can write their own stories in their expanding universe and those are fun stories to read, but for somebody to just be like, eh, "I reject the other one, so I'm just going to make my own one." Like it, mm-hmm. either do an honest reboot but don't just kind of like you know split off don't fucking do what terminator does and just fucking like pretend certain things don't exist constantly like I, that's mm-hmm. that's just like you should be able to make it fit within the context of your story and i think that they, they allow for that to happen in the alien universe uh so that yeah. that makes me a little frustrated especially because it all sounds like it's taking place roughly on the same time period as prometheus took place uh which is interesting as well um so that's I know, seems like a, a weird choice to me. It kind of makes me doubt his writing a little bit because you could I feel like there you mm-hmm. you could easily interpret what's going on in those and make it you know fit whatever story you needed to fit. Um, but that's, that's that's lame. Anyway, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, doing good on that front. I don't have any passionate uh, alien watch, predator watch uh, coming on in on that front. Uh, but yeah, not too shabby coming on in. Um, yeah. Uh, just kind of going into movies. Have you ever seen the movie uh, 1992 Sneakers? I've heard of it. I've not seen it. It's really good. I watched that uh, for the first time in like 10 years uh, the other night. And uh, yeah, great little ensemble cast. Robert Redford, Cindy Pointier. Um, it's uh, it's good stuff. It's all about like social engineering and penetration testing and just hacking in general. But like in the 1992 aesthetic. So it's a fun movie. I really enjoyed it. Hmm. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, uh, not too much going on in. Trying to think if there's anything else kind of square away on that front. Um, No, not really. So let's go ahead and jump on into it. Um, I was the one who said go to this movie, so I'll go ahead and kind of give a little rundown on that front in terms of 
how why I chose this and kind of what it is. Uh, so basically, this uh, movie, once again, is called The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. The premise is basically this is a modern-day Frankenstein retelling. Uh, however, it is set in the projects of a uh, major city in the southeast, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And basically, it revolves around a young 17-year-old prodigy um, and her brother, who was killed in gang violence. Um, he was the muscle for a rival gang, basically. And uh, basically, it revolves around her attempting to bring it back up, uh, bring him back to life. One of the motifs throughout the movie is that she views death as a disease, something that can be cured and kind of dedicates her time and brain power to kind of do that. She ends up reanimating his corpse, um, and from there, things just kind of go awry as bringing back the dead, as we learn from Pet Cemetery, isn't necessarily always the best thing. Uh, the reason why I chose this movie, one, because it was getting a lot of good press on Shudder, and it's kind of the new It movie. I guess it's the new, like, Skinamarink or something like that, or that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time, too, I do remember I first heard about this. There's a local independent movie theater who was showcasing this film, and the director was there as well, because uh, this film was actually filmed in the city that I live in, Charlotte, North Carolina. So that was pretty cool to uh, kind of see, and I'm like, okay, cool, this is kind of a homegrown movie. I'll go ahead and kind of take a look at it and watch it and see how it is. I uh, didn't end up going to that indie movie theater, unfortunately. We had something going on that night, but I was always curious to kind of go back through and kind of see how this is. Um, but yeah, it filmed entirely in Charlotte's, and um, I was able to kind of discern a few locations and that sort of thing. It's a pretty limited set overall, but at the same time, I had a little bit more context on that front. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. Obviously, there are a lot of theming, um, as evidenced by the title. Um, most of the movie is set in a project. Um, I believe it's supposed to be the Hidden Valley area which is kind of in the northeast of Charlotte. I know the warehouse was off of North Tryon Street, which is kind of a major thorough road on that front. Um, one of the bigger gains here in Charlotte, the Hidden Valley Keens, makes its uh, kind of home base around that area. Um, I actually did have an ex who taught at the elementary school in Hidden Valley, and I remember they were constantly lockdowns and that sort of thing as well. So I I have some some knowledge of this and some knowledge of kind of where everything is on that front, but... Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, but lots of themes of just like generational trauma and classism and just trying to escape poverty and the situation that people are in. Uh, yeah, so that was a little bit long-winded, but that is Angry Black Girl and a Monster. Anyway, Andrew, uh, what did you think of this movie? Uh, so I I started out kind of into it. I, I started out with like the, the opening and that little kind of monologue and stuff. I was excited for kind of themes that was, that was going to kind of start going into. Uh, but in the end, I don't think I really enjoyed it. I kind of felt like a lot of the themes were really surface level and there wasn't like or like kind of hinted at but not really delved back into um and like i i, I saw what they were going for i liked what they were going for um but personally i just I always have trouble with kid geniuses that's something that never really sits well like i i can't like i, I think it might be marvel because i think marvel has like three kid geniuses now and i just it, it it like i i can't take it seriously anymore um and like i don't know that i think that that kind of i think already kind of set me up for a little bit of a a uh, a bump in it but like i don't know i there were the gore i thought was really good and some, and some of the acting was pretty good but like there was also just a lot of like i think themes that were kind of like mentioned but not really pursued like i really would have liked more exploration of like how the drugs and like the um kind of like societal impacts of like you know like their situation kind of 
affected them. It seemed kind of like that was the backdrop, but almost like more set dressing than was actually used. Um, you know, and I thought it was kind of confusing, like what was going on with the drug dealer and stuff. And kind of, they kind of muddled that a little bit without really being explicit as to like what they were saying with like the drug dealer, not being a terrible person and his random henchman being like just a dick. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like there are a lot of kind of confusing messages going on. Um, and even just, I, I thought the, the use of the monster of Chris in this, I thought was really weird because we never really got to see him. Um, so like I, it kind of, it didn't really make their relationship feel impactful because I never really got to see them have a relationship. Um, and then I don't know the the actual Frankenstein kind of crossover really kind of was confusing to me in terms mm-hmm. of like the fidelity of them following the, the lore of it and how real it's supposed to be. I don't know. I, I thought it was like a. I don't know. I, I feel like th- this movie just needed more time and more like work on scripting. Uh, mm-hmm. I th- again, I think the concept's interesting. I like the idea of kind of reinterpreting the story, and I like the idea of kind of you know, showing how present death is in this child's life. Uh, but I think that they really didn't explore the, any of the characters enough to really make it meaningful, uh, which I think would have really benefited the movie. Um, gotcha. Uh, yeah. Right, cool. How about you? Yeah, I, um, yeah, no, I, I like this movie overall, but I definitely understand pretty much all of your criticisms that you kind of put forward. Uh, there's a few things I'd like to touch on, and I actually had a few of them in my notes in terms of discussion on that front, but mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me. Mm, one second. Mm. One second. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Mm. What are oh, you no. drinking? No, a monster, a monster came on in and started choking me, but I'm okay now. I fought him <laughs> off. Um, now, <coughs> now, just had something in my throat. Um, but yeah, no, it's... Um, the, the, I think the issue is definitely, I agree, the characters themselves. I see what they were going for. I don't think they quite stuck the landing, especially in the third act. Um I did find the ending interesting, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but I do feel like there was a lot of room to grow in terms of the characters and kind of how it is. And then also to uh, Vicaria, the main character, the teenage prodigy, um, she definitely treads the line between being, you know, kind of this brilliant protagonist and multi-layered and a lot of different things. And at the same time, too, there, there there's definitely a few scenes speaking as a former teacher as well, where she just kind of comes off as very, very annoying. But again, this is another thing that's similar to our Black Christmas episode. You know, we're approaching this from two fairly well-off white guys. Mm -hmm. And this is a very, you know, black director, black cast, everything like that. So we're trying to kind of keep that into consideration in our perspective. Um, I'm giving the same thing I did with Black Christmas as well. I've kind of compiled the list of a bunch of reviews from black voices in the community. And I want to make sure that we give a voice to them as well. So I'll post that to our social media. Uh, But ultimately, like, there's a lot of perspective on this movie that I completely missed. And as I was reading more and more about it, I was just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Or, okay, okay, that's something I completely missed at all. Uh, For example, like, one thing... And this is something I can't believe I didn't pick up on because I have a very hard to pronounce last name. Uh, but the whole microaggression of Vicaria and then the, she goes back and like, no, it's a Vicaria, uh, like Vicaria, because it's like Vicarious. Um, but apparently that's a very common thing. Um, and that was included in there just to kind of get a sense of these little types of microaggressions in that type of community that are just not... Um, Yep, just don't have a lot of uh, a lot of people don't have perspective on, and this movie is kind of riddled with those little things here and there that I personally just, from my upbringing, my perspective, did not pick up on. Um, so yeah, that's that. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, with that, I think uh, let's go on in then to the characters themselves. So I would say there's probably 
three, maybe four main characters in this movie. We've uh, we've we got Vicaria, who's the main character on this one. What did you think of her? I, I, I again, I, I liked, I liked it when we first started off with her, but like kind of like you were saying, I think sometimes like, I, and I think this is a lot of this is them trying to write this like genius character, and I think that a lot of times it came off as less like being smart, but more just kind of being like. Like that thing that Hollywood does, where they just make them spit facts, essentially. Like mm-hmm. I, I never, I never like I, I wanted to see her be more like, like we we didn't see her be very like thoughtful. I guess we saw her being smart, but not being thoughtful. And I wanted to see her being more thoughtful in in this in the show I, in, in the movie. I feel there was a lot of tell don't show. Like we are told she's smart, we are told that she's doing things, but there really isn't too much of like she does a very clever moment or she shows something that really demonstrates that she's really really smart. Well, because we we start we start the film off with her already being like a body snatcher and uh, an experimenter, just like randomly cutting open bodies. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, what is what is your specialty? Because we see her being like quizzed on like elements by this child who, like, you know, in the beginning they're being quizzed on the elements, the periodic table, and you're like, okay, that's like okay, that's a thing. And then she has her weird like death is a disease thing which like mm-hmm. it's like it's 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 like a fun line to say it's one of those things where it's like that's a great line that's you know it's like, death is a disease great line but then when she keeps trying to say it and prove it it's it gets really annoying because you're like but but what do you mean by that like, like i think and i think like again the teacher is a fucking like in the the writing of the teacher is bad but also the teacher is written as a, as a terrible person uh mm-hmm. but when she has that question about like what well, well, what do you mean by that and like the idea that like i don't know like the discussion of cancer and what cancer is and how it's not just cells constantly producing eye control. Like, I, like it was, it was like a weird kind of thing where I'm like, oh, I know a little bit about this and what you're saying doesn't make any sense. And like, it's, I don't know, it made it, it made it grind, kind of grind with me. And like, it, and it's, again, it's, it's a fun line. Death's a disease. And like, you know, we just have to cure death, but it also mm-hmm. like, is like, well, that just makes you sound kind of dumb. Cause it's, it doesn't make, you know, it's, it's not very smart. And I think that also created on me with the character <laughs> of that. I was just like, mm-hmm. you're like, you're, when when you're the backing of showing it you're smart doesn't really make sense to me it really kind of makes it hard um but then i just felt like we didn't really get to see her a lot i think that was part of the thing i think, I think they focused on making her this like smart strong character that we didn't get to see any other dimension of her to kind of really like level with her like i would have loved to see her like i don't know have some connection with her brother to make that feel really warranted like i never i feel like we never got yeah. to see her vulnerable which i think would have made the uh desperation of her trying to bring her brother back and kind of going to these lengths and this kind of psychopathy a little bit like make a little bit more sense like i kind of felt like the one thing that i will say they did a good job is that they really the actress and the writing did a good job make showing that kind of like dr frankenstein hubris of her like where you're kind of mm-hmm. like like cause I, I think part of it is intentional i think part of her making her, her character being unlikable not unlikable but her character being like rough around the edges is supposed to be like frankenstein like you know he was it, like you know, he was, he was a dick. <laughs> like he was like the, the monster was like, you know, the protagonist, like, uh, you know, like, uh, he was the, the victim of the situation. So I, I feel like they, they kind of went in that direction, but they didn't flesh out the monster enough to really kind of give us that other view or, you know, so it made her kind of like a weird main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, the, there's two things I kind of focused on there. The first one is definitely, I mean, in this movie, she is a 17-year-old teenager. Like, she definitely has arrogance. She's got hubris um, on that front. And I feel because of that, I guess this character comes off as a little off-putting. But again, that might just be my perspective on this one from my societal upbringing and everything like that. I, you know, nowhere close to growing up in an environment that she grows up in. Um, 
I think that's definitely one thing on that front. Um, and I can't remember the other thing I was talking about either. But yeah, it, it, it's she's an interesting character, but I do feel... And the acting is great. Like um, mm. The actress, uh, Leila Dillian Hayes, uh, did a great job with her. I think she was really, really good. And honestly... I think throughout the entire movie, like all of the acting was pretty good, mm. um, except for the kid. But I'm not. Yeah. Gonna, I'm not <laughs> yeah. gonna fault the kid. I'm except not gonna kid. fault the kid. But, She's uh, like six years old. <laughs> but, you know, I will say actually for the kids, so I, I don't think she did a great job. But like, I think she would be great in like a movie where like. I think she does the creepy kid stuff well. So I think she'd be great in a whole mm-hmm. movie where she's the creepy kid. But I just think in this movie, there were times where I don't think she was trying to be creepy. But I was like, all right, you need to be not staring at the camera just just this much. Like, maybe stare at just a, a little bit less. Or, like, you know, maybe, like, you know, there, there are a couple moments. But I was like, wow, she's, like, like I think she her line delivery is good and stuff. I was actually, I liked yeah. her. Like, I would have loved to, I would love to see her, like, in, like, if they ever um, did, like, a remake of um, The Good Son or something like that. Like, I feel like she can, like, edge into that creepy side, which I liked, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, like, overall, like, the acting is really good in this movie. Like, um, Chad Coleman, uh, Chad L. Coleman is in this one. He plays Donald the father, and that guy has been just in everything. I've loved him in everything he is. Um, so, like, he was um, Fred Johnson in The Expanse. He was hmm. Clyden in The Orville. He was, you know, Ty- Tyrese in uh, Walking Dead. Um, and then, of course, um, the, the, his best role ever, he was Coach in Left for Dead 2, which is fantastic. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, he, he does a great job in this movie. Uh, Denzel Whitaker, who was in Black Panther, he does a great job as the, um, uh, gosh, what's his name? Kango? Uh, Kango. Yeah, Kango, who's kind of like the drug dealer who has a little bit more layers to it. And I guess that's where we can go into the second part. And I guess this is the spoiler territory at this part, because um, we're going to reveal some stuff and some more layers about the character. Um, from reading the interviews with the director, uh, Bomani J. Story, he was basically saying that he wanted all of these characters to be fairly multi-layered. Like, ultimately, it's not, you know, Kango is the evil drug dealer, but we find out, you know, he's pushing drugs to help his elderly mother. Uh, you know, the father, uh, Donald, um, who played by Chad L. Coleman, he is, you know, supportive of his family. He appears to be a very loving, very kind father. But then we find out, you know, he's addicted to drugs to cope with the pain of losing his son, Chris, the creature itself. Um, So I feel like this movie did a fairly good job of just kind of layering on these characters over and over again. And like by the end of it, you're kind of thinking to yourself, you know, this really isn't a good guy versus a bad guy. There really aren't any good or bad characters and that every character just has their own motivations. Everyone is out for their own little thing and they're all dealing with the situation, dealing with living in the projects, dealing with living in the society as best they can with the hands that they've been given, which is obviously a very, very core theme of this movie. Um, And I I, I feel that there was a lot of... um, levity that the writing was kind of granted to that so that that is one thing i feel like this movie pulled off very well um Mm. in terms of just kind of exploring the characters and seeing how they were uh going back i remember what i was going to talk about earlier you had a mention about how you didn't feel like there was enough of a relationship between vicaria and her older brother before he gets shot and died in the opening scene i 100 percent agree with that um that is one thing i feel like this movie could have used a bit more breathing room on is you know, we, we find out that she's stealing her brother's corpse to, you know, kind of reanimate him. But we don't know any sort of relationship between her and her brother. We're, we're told that, OK, this affected her deeply because it's another cycle of violence. She saw her. She lost her mother to gain violence. She um, lost her you know brother to, to violence. And we 
obviously from the title can tell that she's angry about the situation. She's angry about the world that she's growing up in, basically. But I do feel like a little bit of scene where her and her brother are kind of playing around together or just having fun or smiling and kind of getting a sense of their relationship would have uh, helped out a little bit more. Because mm. um, one thing I did notice as well... So I guess this is a kind of another big theme in the story is expectations that are placed on other people. Um, and one of which is we kind of get the sense that Chris, the creature, becomes a monster and starts a killing spree because that's kind of what everyone expects him to do after he gets reanimated. Uh, the very first thing that Vicaria does after she uh, kind of reanimates him is she makes a comment about him being a monster and that's just kind of what sticks mm. and then as that that gets reinforced over and over again so ultimately you know she was the catalyst that kind of did that perception and as we find out at the end of the movie where somebody else gets reanimated and they appear to have no issues um that one is just kind of like that it's it, it's you know what's people think of you ultimately may define who you are um and that was another interesting point I think this movie made. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's kind of weird too. Like, because like, yeah, well, because that, that's what I thought was funny in, in the first part. Because like, in that when she at one point she scares a boy by top, by listing all these facts to him. Again, I know those scenes where she disputes out a bunch of facts shows she's smart. Uh, and it's the boy, this little boy who like wants to come in to like, see her shop essentially. And she, she, one thing she mentions is that you know when you die after a certain period, after a certain amount of. But um, oxygen loss to the brain, like you start losing a cure hippocampus, something like that. And like you, your 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 memory storage essentially. But then you know she obviously revives Chris a few like you know like a, a period of time after that. You know that time since done. So when she's surprised that he's like you know not quite you know Chris as she remembers him, it's kind of interesting. She's like you you literally talked about this earlier that this would not be the same person because their brain is dead. Uh, but then yeah, then the conceit at the end is that uh, uh, the girl is fresh. She hasn't. Her brain has been deprived of oxygen long enough for her to lose her personality or for her brain to decay, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought that was weird as well, yeah, that she kind of is the one who originally starts it off. And, again, it's just like the original uh, Frankenstein, right, or Frankenstein's monster, like, is a thinking, talking being. And Frankenstein and them are the ones who are like, oh, you're a monster, and then it becomes a monster. It's that, mm-hmm. you know, that same idea. And before we get any angry comments, yes, we know Victor Frankenstein was the actual doctor. The monster is called the monster. It's not Frankenstein. We, we, we know, we know, we know. Anyway, continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I mean that's, yeah, I feel like I, 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 I liked that they kind of kept up with that. Um, but again, I, I wish we had more time with Chris. I was waiting for Chris to become more of a talking kind of dude. I would think that would be more interesting. Um, mm-hmm. though, and I did read director interviews with that. And basically he was, and they did a good job with this vision, but the director was kind of under the impression of less is more, you know, the Jaws style storytelling where, you know, we barely see the face of the creature. And when we do, it's like a darkness covered by a hoodie. Mm. Um, and I did like the design of the monster, like. Yeah. Basically, he walks around in jeans and this dark hoodie. He's got these dreadlocks that are just kind of pouring out of his face like tentacles. Um, I, I think they did a great job. And, and honestly, I take that one step further. I think the gore and special effects and cinematography and everything were really good in this movie. Mm. Um, <clears throat> there were a couple scenes where, like, the one kid who gets shot and then also the policeman who gets shot as well. And <clears throat> sorry. Ah, monster came back again. Um, but I, I do feel like the special effects were very, very good in this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Surprisingly good, too, for, like, I thought, like... Mm-hmm. So I thought some of the effects were kind of cheap and lame. Like, not not, not, not the effects. Like, I thought, like, the, 
some of the setting, like I thought like her, her lab and like the kind of the design of like his, like the experimentation thing. Not that it looked lame, but yeah. it, kind of, it looked like, you know, kind of cobbled together. But yeah, but then the effects were insane. Like some, some of the gore, like the head getting cut off was like awesome. It was like, and I guess that's kind of interesting because you mentioned that him wanting to hide the, like, you know, like Jaws. And I guess for me, I never really considered the movie scary. So like, I never really thought of like, yeah, like hide the monster because the monster's not like, you know, scary enough to need to be hidden because I didn't think the reveal was that. Crazy. I don't know. You know, like, I, I guess that's why I was kind of hoping there'd be more of the actual development because I guess I never really thought of Chris as like a scary monster. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe that's because I was approaching it from the perspective of Frankenstein, where I was like, well, you know, the monster should be understandable. So let's show that. So I never really thought of him as like, a, like, he obviously was a threat, but he wasn't like, I didn't feel like we got like a lot of horror suspense with him, I guess, is because uh, all he ever did really is choke anybody on screen. Yeah. I felt bad for him the whole time, honestly. Like the entire movie, I was just like, this is not really scary but i i do have a lot of empathy for him he was brought back and told that he's a monster and he's just trying to figure it out so yeah. well i think it'd be nice to see her kind of trying to reason with him and stuff like but i, I was oh, yeah. it also didn't help that uh the little girl when she was like, talking about being chris's friend she's never like oh yeah it's chris my friend you know my brother you know we're we're chill you know like, like we're, we're hanging out like we're you know like but not, not her brother sorry her her friend uh mm-hmm. actually were they were they cousins was was that i don't remember honestly you're talking about aisha okay i I couldn't tell because like there was um there was um aisha's mom who i thought was like you know putting her arm around the dads i thought they might be related like sisters or something like that Uh or maybe like maybe she's um his wife's sister i I, I couldn't tell i can't remember they're 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 found family basically either real family or found family but yeah like i I just felt like when when jade was talking about chris um she wasn't just talking about hanging out with their friend she did again she did the weird creepy eyes and stuff and was like and like you know like that looking at him like where there were times it was almost like it was supposed to be like it was inside of Akaria's head because it was like you know almost her she was going creepy to the max for some reason just to deliver mm-hmm. like what would, would normal be like you know it would be like me like staring at you and being like I'm eating a donut but then like I don't know holding weird eyes on you for a while as if like that, that means something uh and so, yeah, like, just, yeah I, I just picture you just like constantly like raising your eyebrows over and over again yeah okay yeah like she, she was she's mugging to the camera so much that like yeah I, you know it, it again it was implying something sinister about Chris for her which we, you know I, I think it would have been better if we saw her just kind of being more casual about it I mean like no Chris is my buddy like you know like mm-hmm. Um, though, did you catch the line at the end? So again, I guess we were talking about talking about Kango earlier, who again I, I thought did a great job. The actor did a great job. I thought, oh yeah, um, I, I liked his character, and I was I was happy when he turned out to be a good guy. <laughs> like I love the scene where he was like, uh, where she's um, angry about him for selling drugs to her dad, and he was like, "Your dad's a fucking mess." Like, yeah, like I, I'm I'm selling him drugs, but like it's the reason he's alive right now is because he's not killing yeah, himself. I'm helping him out. Like, yeah. which is that, okay, I thought was, that was like an interesting thing of that idea of like, yeah, so people always say, you know, quit the drugs and, you know, it's not a great way to cope, but it's like, yeah, but if it's your only way to cope, you know, if, if, mm-hmm. if, if, you know, if drugs are killing you, but not taking the drugs could kill you as well. Like, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting And thing. that kind of goes back into the theme of just like, you know, yeah, in a perfect world, this person would go to rehab and, you know, kind of go into therapy and get all the mental support help that he needs. But that's not the reality of the situation they're in. And that's really what they've been dealt with and all they can do. Yeah. But like, but, but the thing at the end of that, you know, and then there's Kengo taking care of his mom and stuff. And you're like, oh, so sweet. But then at the end, he's like, I guess I never should have sent Chris to kill that gang. And you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, like, like Kengo, we were feeling good about you. But then we realized the reason Chris is dead is because you sent it to go bang, like to kill another gang member. Like the, the mom was a tragedy of gang violence that she wasn't involved in. But Chris was mm-hmm. being sent as a pusher to go kill somebody. <laughs> like, with the muscle, yeah. You're like, mm-hmm. like, which again, unfortunate circumstances put him in that position, obviously. But you're like, all right, that kind of like 
that, that's that kind of made that a little bit harder. Like to, I mean, that, that like we we could maybe yeah, we could we could have just had to be a victim of gang violence. Obviously, still working together, it's fine. But like making him the guy who went to go kill somebody and then got killed as a result is a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. I uh, I do, I actually do like that because again, like one thing this movie I feel is really good about is just showing different perspectives of everybody. And mm. yeah, you could argue, you know, okay, he was the one that you know put Chris in the situation that ultimately caused his death. But at the same time, like maybe the you know there was circumstances surrounding that maybe that was the only option that can go ahead at that point maybe there was you know blame society blame circumstance blame the other games who actually pulled the trigger there is um do you ever play Sh- um, silent hill shattered memories i i did but i'm not gonna say i remember it very well Okay, gotcha. There's one really cool moment uh, where basically you are told a story and you have to go ahead and kind of assign. Uh, basically, the story is very, very basic. Um, in a nutshell, princess is told by her father to marry a prince. Uh, the princess uh, on her wedding night is abused by the prince, so she runs away. And as she runs away, she goes into a bull stable, uh, like a field, actually, um, where a bull is, and the bull tramples and gores her to death. That's the story. And basically, you're told as the player, okay, now that you know this story, go ahead and arrange all four key players in the story, the princess, the bull, the king, and the prince, in order from guilt from start to, like, most guilty to least guilty. Um, and it's a really fun exercise. I've actually used it for a few of my D&D games um, um, just to kind of, you know, have the players kind of think about it for a little bit as well. But that is one thing, going back to this movie, I, I kind of thought about on that front of like, okay, yeah, there's different levels of guilt. There's different levels of little things here and there. But ultimately, like, the, the biggest problem is not, you know, can't go saying, okay, go be the muscle or the game pulling the trigger. It's what are the circumstances that brought to the situation? How can you break that cycle? Hmm. Um, and that's what I think the movie was trying to say a little bit more. It, it's not any one person's fault. Everyone is multi-layered. Everyone has a little things, but at the same time, everyone has a part to play in the way that this is this, 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 this little part piece of the world of Charlotte is. I mean, I just want a Kango to be cool. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want I just want him to be to be a cool guy, and then he. Then Why I, can't then you I, be cool, Kango? I, I mean, like I want you to be the drug. His the couch drug, and everything. I want you uh-huh. the drug to go the heart of gold, and then I, you know, and then then when that happened, I was like, mm, Kango, you 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 lost it. Uh, so, um, and then well, it's weird too because we have Kango, who's who's you know who we we get development on. Uh, you know, yeah, we don't we're missing Chris's development, and then there's Kango's Kango's muscle, uh, who like just out of nowhere is like. I, I guess I'm evil now. <laughs> like, all right, man. Like, uh-huh. I was like, okay. Like, it, it was weird because so like we, we see this scene of this guy getting choked by Chris earlier. You're kind of like, what? And then it kind of cuts away from it. You're like, so did, did Chris just stop? Like, what? How did they meet? What's going on here? And then later he's like, yo, Chris choked me. Now I'm gonna go kill Chris. And then Kango's like, hey man, maybe maybe don't kill him. And then he kills. And then he tries to kill Kango. And you're like, yo, like, okay. I, I guess we needed you know a last minute villain. But I mean, we, we could have done a little bit more. I don't know. We could we could have. Mm-hmm. And then I will agree with you on, and you kind of mentioned this uh, before at the very beginning, I I do feel like the script could have used a bit more breathing room. This movie could have added an extra five to ten minutes um, developing the relationship between Vicaria and Chris and little character moments like that to make it more sense. Um, I I, I do feel there was something a little bit compact at some points. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm... I just I feel like this movie like 
could have done so much more. And I, like, and I'm wondering too, like, maybe, that, maybe that could have like, admittedly that could also be like, the, you know, this, uh, I know that RJE films, I don't know, I know they tended to produce pretty small budget films. So like, I, you know, th- th- this movie could have just needed more of a budget and that may have been, that may have solved a lot of this in terms of just like mm-hmm. having more time to, you know, script and it was, And it was the first movie by this director. Like mm-hmm. the, he's, he's done a few shorts before, but this is like his full future full-length movie um so overall i i, I do think it's a commendable effort but on that yeah front. um I, I, go ahead i was saying I, 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 I do really appreciate like i, I like that they took like i kind of want them to do this with more movies like i like the idea i feel like it almost kind of reminds me of um the invisible man remake where you're just kind of recontextualizing mm-hmm. these classic horror stories in like a different context and like you know using them to tell you know to highlight other societal um you know impacts in, in kind of today's you know what, what we're doing with today as opposed to back in the 19 19- you know, wherever those movies are made and those stories are written. So I, I really do like this. Like, I like that this is, like, I like that the way they recontextualize the story. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I just wish it had a little bit, I just wish the writing was better or was smoother. Um, yeah, definitely. And like, it's not bad writing, but at the same time, I agree. It, it definitely, it could be a little bit better. It could tighten up a little bit on that front. Um, yeah. Uh, there was, there was another theme I wanted to kind of touch on as well that I thought was kind of interesting and kind of showcased very interestingly in this movie, um, is reading interviews with the director and reading just kind of like critiques and on this movie as well. A lot of people, and I think this was, uh, one of the Roger Ebert reviews, um, one of the staff members on that front, cause you know, he's dead. Uh, but on his site, uh, one of the points that this particular reviewer brought up, and I'm going to go ahead and find that review real quick. Cause I want to make sure I credit this woman, um, but she was saying that it's a big part in these communities is, um, sorry, I'm just pulling up. I thought I had it pulled up there. Uh, yeah, Peyton Robinson, um, basically she did say about how when you are in a society like this or when you are in a situation like this, growing up in the projects in an impoverished society, um, one of the biggest things is just where to direct your anger. And mm-hmm. I think this movie did kind of pull that very forward. Like, who are you going to be mad at? Are you going to be at, mad at the rival gang are you going to be mad at the community are you going to be mad at the police are you going to be mad at just society in general are you going to be mad at the personification of death itself and you know that's where you treat it as disease and i think that's one thing that the movie does kind of push forward very interestingly is each one of these characters has their own kind of perspective on that question who should i be angry at vicaria is mad at death itself um you know the the you know, Kango is mad at societal circumstance. The father is mad at gang violence, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so I, I, I thought that was a very interesting question to kind of push forward. And that kind of recontextualized a lot of characters in this movie for me. And actually, I like, I like the idea of like, I don't know, because I almost feel like Kengo has, has like the more mature anger, not, not in the sense that he like, he's seeing it beyond, like, I, I almost feel like I would have liked to see a reconciliation. He has better control of it. Well, I mean, like, I'm more in the sense that, like, she's angry at, you know, the concept of death, but reality, she's angry at society and how it creates these situations that result in these deaths. So I think it would have been interesting to have a, have a moment between her and Kango where Kango's like, hey, you know, you're, you, your anger is valid, but you're not angry at death. Like, you know, the, like that, and I think that's part, that's part of the issue, I think. Um, and I, I think that would have been a, a nice way to recontextualize that scene in the classroom where she's having this conversation and the teacher's having the, the biological conversation and she's having the, the, the idea that, like, you know, death, like her death is a disease. It's a societal disease that's causing these deaths to occur of gang violence. And like, I think that would, and like, I think that would have been an interesting, and in, you know, in this case, the teacher is not trying to understand what she's saying. And I think it would have been an interesting thing to have like, can go, like, that, that kind of be kind of part of the discussion at the end is like, I think like that idea that like, yeah, like you can, you can bring people back from the dead, 
you can, you know, you can reanimate their corpse with the bolt of lightning, but it's not going to stop the problem of the gang violence, which is still occurring, which is, you know, creating the situation where the first thing that happens with uh, Chris when he comes back is he gets involved in, in a gang, in a gang incident when they go try to take the drugs and, you know, that creates so that things kind of spiral out of control. So I think that would have been kind of an interesting resolution to the story is that it's not about just reviving people. It's about, you know, bettering the conditions of the area and trying to solve these, these issues in society that create these situations uh, that are happening. And, you know, force Kengo to, to deal drugs for his ailing mother, force Chris to deal drugs to support his family. And, you know, that that would have been like a very, I think, interesting resolution to this story. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think the fact, and I think, I think, I think, this, I think this is, might be kind of where my separation kind of comes from it, is that it, go, it goes back. It just kind of steps back into, oh, no, you just had to revive him earlier. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I, think, I, think, I think that would have been a stronger kind of conclusion and a stronger uh, reinforcement of that message that these, you know, the, the, they're, everybody here is a victim of circumstance. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of it being a discussion of like, well, yeah, when she kind of has the discussion of cancer, uh, uh, you know, cancer cells and skipping the G2 phase or whatever it is that, that caused them to not break down and just multiply out of control. That that kind of is the, I guess, the wrong way to focus her anger. Not wrong way, but it's not going to, it's not going to solve the problem that she's trying to solve necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, 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 that, your discussion of how, like, you know, how they each kind of deal with it in different ways is interesting because I, I do think that Kango has the more, Kango has that, that growing, that has kind of grown up to, you know, take the outside perspective of like, oh no, society's the problem. I'm seeing how society's fucking up. But she's kind of in that, so that kind of uh, naive mindset to a degree of, oh no, I can fix this with science. She is 17, so that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I think that would have been, that would have been kind of like an interesting step for her to grow out of at the end. Not grow not grow out of, but you know, develop that understanding of like, oh, okay, I'm seeing, you know, it's weird to say I'm taking perspective from from the drug dealer, but you know, he, it is, he, he's seeing a different, he's taking care of the, their, um, you know, the community in a different way. And it, it, it's mm-hmm. interesting. Like, and I, and, and he, he says that to her, I think, in that one point where she's mad at him and is like, you know, you're killing my dad, you're killing this. And he's like, no, no, I'm, I, yeah, I, I, what I'm doing may not be the best thing, but I'm, I'm help, I'm supporting us all in a different way, uh, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. Like, I would have been a, I wish they'd hammer that home. Is like, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, cool. So going into that, um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the ending. Um, so just uh, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, I'm going to go ahead and spoil the ending right now and kind of uh, go through it. Uh, so basically in terms of, we, we talked a lot about it, the themes and kind of on that front. I mean, the plot overall is very basic. This is more of a character slash theme driven movie. Uh, but basically as the movie goes on, Chris, of course, as the angry monster is constantly choking, killing people. There's a few tense scenes here and there. Uh, but the movie ends with basically Vicaria realizing that she needs to end Chris because he's just a force nature at this point. So she basically goes ahead and kills him um, by basically reversing the process with the electrical bolts and power lines and that sort of thing, (laughs) uh, Transformers. Uh, But the very, very end is the little girl in the movie who's kind of like the voice of innocence, Jada. She's like six years old. We were talking about the actress before. Uh, But basically, she kind of gives Vicaria an idea of just like why all these people that died from Chris's rampage or other circumstances in this movie, including a pregnant mother, you know, why, why do they have to die? Why can't we just bring them back the same way that we brought Chris? And so then this movie kind of turns it on its head where I feel like most movies would be like, Oh, you know, we mess with forces of nature. We've learned our lesson not to do that. But at the end, Vicaria is just like, fuck it. And then just revives everybody. Um, And this time we only see um, Aisha, basically um being um 
revived once again, and she seems fine. Like, her baby is fine, she's fine, she's talking, she's communicating, she's normal at that point, and the movie closes with Vicaria basically saying, okay, let's go to the next one, let's revive everyone now that I've finally cured death. Um, so it was a bold ending, I feel like. What did you think of it? I fucking hated it. Uh, <laughs> I, again, I, I think I think the story of Parts of Frankenstein, like, obviously, gets, I think it's killed in it anyway. Um, but, you know, like, I... I, I think it's a story of missteps and a story of, you know, like consequences for your actions. And I, again, I, I think part of it is we never saw any Aisha and them die. It was just an off-screen death. So, like, it, you know, it doesn't bother me as much as like, if it was like, a tragic death. Like, you know, I, I'm assuming the dad is dead. Uh, you know, I'm assuming people who got, like, mutilated are dead. I, I don't know how, how Aisha died. Uh, you know, I don't know why, how or why Chris killed them. Uh, um, you know, it's kind of weird there. Um but like, yeah, like, I don't. I, there's no consequences for her, I guess. In the end, like, obviously, there's an emotional consequence for her of having to kill her brother a second time and stuff, and people dying that kind mm-hmm. of trauma. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't. I don't like it in any movie where that happens, where people just get to come back. That always kind of. It's it, it's like you wake up from a dream, you know, and everything's not non consequential. I I don't like yeah, that. Or like it's it's in yeah it's, it was in the person's head all the time. Well, also yeah. the, the, my other question is like, you know, and this is my nitpicking, and I. I I know it's. I know this isn't a movie to nitpick about this idea, but I, I can't. I, I can't turn it off in my mind. But like, what what are they doing to revive them? Because with crit, you know, with Frankenstein, the idea is they they composite a bunch of body parts together. They give it a shock of life, you know, like a heartbeat electrical shock, and then like, he's back alive. But he's not immortal. He's just alive again. You, you brought him back again. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Um, and you know, he's. Uh, you know, he has the abnormal brain in the movie and stuff or whatever. But, you know, in the original story, he's Abby just... He, he, he's, he's, Abby Normal, there we go. Abby Normal, yeah. In the original brain, you know, in the original one, he's just like a dude. Um, but in this one, Chris becomes a superhero uh, when he comes back. Uh, but again, it's just electricity that brings him back. Uh, we see her playing with his brain a little bit. You know, so perhaps she did do something to modify Chris because we see her kind of, you know, take pulling out parts of his body, peeling off skin and stuff. So she's probably like putting a new brain and whatnot uh, to, you know, to mm-hmm. fix the parts that got broken when he got shot. Um but I'm assuming everybody else got mutilated, had you know, got killed in some way that damaged their body, um, and we're just electrocuting them to bring them back to life. Like, is that all it is? Is that is that is that the process? And again, this this isn't mm-hmm. like a. I don't like the story choice, but I also am just very like confused as to what's going on with the actual like re like bring people back of it all. You know. Yeah. Yeah, the, the movie is definitely very much, I don't think about it, Vicarious figured out this process. It's it's really not important to the movie in terms of how they're brought back to life. The important thing is that she now has the power to bring them back to life. What does this mean for the community? What does this mean for the societal circumstance if she could just revive dead people? Because that is one thing that just, there, there was one line in this movie that I really liked. It was just like, death is just, you know, an everyday part of life where they are. Um and the, the circumstances they grow up in. And that was um, I just like Vicaria from her single-minded 17-year-old, uh, you know, very smart, but at the same time, you know, missing a lot of perspective of if I can solve this problem, then everything else will turn on But, in. but, but then, yeah. like, if you get, like, I, I'm assuming some of the people she's going to bring back have, like, holes in them are, like crushed windpipes or like <laughs> oh yeah fle- no, flesh destroyed like are they gonna is it that idea where you defibrillate them back to life and then they just die again because they still have fucking giant holes in them like mm-hmm. that's those are my questions i need answered i need i, I need to know <laughs> what this she, movie is definitely I, not gonna answer those, I, I need no. to know what's going on with this process of bringing people back from the dead uh and then like also the baby being alive like cool but also like what uh i i, 
I, I feel like the traumatic things would occur during that period. I feel like, yeah, like the mother thought actually the baby. Actually, I made the baby safe and more insulated from that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, <laughs> but I'm just, I, I have so many questions about that whole, the, the death at the end uh, that like, you know, beyond, beyond the moral story of her just kind of getting off scot-free uh, other than, you know, possibly killing a, uh, yeah, I, I'm guessing the guy who had the knife go through his head isn't coming back. Uh, you know, I, you know, other than maybe getting rid of some, uh, he, him who seems to be terrible, you know, like a, just a, not a great guy i guess like what is what's what's happened in the story and that boy is still dead who got killed uh mm-hmm. from, from I, I, was it chris who killed the boy or what, what killed the boy i i can't remember honestly it may have been actually it may have been a gunshot actually uh i think it was just a stray bullet yeah yeah because yeah, i remember because then we kind of talk about that i think it was just a stray bullet okay yeah so yeah and like yeah and like so i guess like I don't know. I, I would have liked to almost see more of an epilogue at that point to see how what's like, because if, if you're going to do this, if you're going to create this, like, okay, well, now everybody can come back. I want to know what, what that does for, like, I want to see, like, what does that do for her society? Like, you know, like, I want to say what is, because I guess that my question is, like, is that just, like, a, a gimmick ending? Or is that, like you said, is that the idea that, like, this is going to affect, this is going to affect them now? Or is this mm-hmm. just more of, like, a, okay, I got rid of the consequences of my actions earlier. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess, like, that's that's where my head goes to that ending of like i feel like either show the consequences or it's just kind of like uh you woke up at the end of the dream and the movie cuts to the ending yeah and i'm wondering too if it was like a get out sort of thing where like the original ending was just deemed too depressing so they decided to make something significantly happier mm. um, yeah that's true I, I i wonder i i think i read some comment on reddit about that um not not official or anything like that but I'm that, curious on that front because that, that would have been really depressing like that, that, yeah i guess that's kind of true because i guess had it just ended with all of her family and friends dead and her and that little girl, I would have also not liked the ending. So yeah, I guess that's kind of hard. Yeah. I, you know, maybe, maybe Kengo and was Ken, Kengo was live at the end store, right? No, no, he got killed. Uh, I believe no. so. Yeah. No, he got, yeah, yeah. He got, he got, Chris killed him outside that door. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So damn. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'm saying that can be like a nice, you know, like a, a newfound family, I guess, of the three of them. Uh, so that, mm-hmm. that would just be, yeah. I don't know. That, yeah. hmm. Hmm. Wait. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Cause Chris, all right. Wait, follow-up question. Because at, at, at the end of this movie, Chris just became a villain, right? Yeah, basically. So, like, he... The very first words he kind of heard when he was reanimated were, you know, monster. So... And then that's what people treated it. So, eventually, he just became that. Mm. Um, okay. And I guess the movie at the very end, too, was kind of trying to push the thing of just, like, okay, when people are reanimated, when they're kind of recognizing who they are, if people treat them right, if people treat them good they might they might be able to change the pace and that you know ties into the themes as well of just like you know societal expectations instead oh i thought that was just because they their brains hadn't deteriorated um because because i I, kind of took it as more of a treat i mean that definitely could have something to do with it but i definitely feel like that was a big theme of this is just like the way people treated chris was very different than how they treated the pregnant mother well because well, i think that, that i think that was the thing is chris couldn't like because chris had been like well first was shot in the head and also, so I think his brain was scrambled, but also, like, what she was saying with the boy is that, like, after 30 minutes or something like that, after oxygen, your brain stops, stops, like, you, all your memories are gone. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That, I, I, that's, like, that's why I kind of, like, I feel like some of, like, the, because I, I did read something about that, too, as well, about, like, you know, she called him a monster, so she's, like, yes, she treated him badly, but also I think that if, like, if that's the message they're trying to tell us, they needed to do a better job of that. Because I, I think that they, mm-hmm. they, they reason out that it is, not that it is, like, in the story, I think it, it provides evidence that it is, uh, just because they died recently, so their brains were have decayed less, so they're less deprived of oxygen. Because um, I, 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 yeah, I read some, some reviews too that I think had some reaching, like you know, 
reaching in the sense in the same way that I reach to defend Prometheus. So I, you know, mm. I, I see what you're doing. <laughs> like, I'm like, I know what you're doing. I do it too. I understand. And I sit and I know why you're doing it because, you know, you, you want to support the movie. But there are some times where I'm like, I think, just, I, 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 think I think, you know, as I will say with my previous thing with like the, the rolling ship, I'm like, here's why I think it might be okay. But it could also just be dumb. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, that same idea uh, where I feel like there, there, there might be some uh, explaining in circles a little bit. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I hmm. Cause yeah, cause, I, cause that scene with the dad and Chris, which I thought was going to be like a nice emotional moment. And it was for a moment. And then he, Chris, like, it seemed like Chris recognized the dad and then he choked mm-hmm. him with his burning hands. Uh, <laughs> cause his hands always seemed to leave like black residue. Yeah, some or, sort of mark on that. Or that burn, and I think that was or, just kind of like touch. from the, um, yeah, I think that was just from the process of reanimating with the electricity and that sort of thing too. Maybe he had like stored up electric charge or something. <laughs> so he's electro. Did did his hands yeah, when he like, first like when he was first alived, were his hands like bare hands at first and then they became normal hands later? Um yeah, they were like he, he, had, he had like mittens. No, on. no, I I mixed it up my movies. There, there was some movie I've watched recently. Oh no, there's a game I played recently where he had like claw hands. No, that wasn't I, I feel like he had like yeah. big mittens at first and then later on he just has normal dude hands. And I'm like, what happened to you? I head? don't remember. I need maybe, to watch maybe, it again. Maybe he's wearing gloves when he first got reanimated and he took the gloves off. That could have that, that could have easily been what was going on. Uh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> that, that's a question I had. Um, yeah. All right, um, cool. But, well, no. let's get into our classic segment then. Yes. Uh, if this was a sequel, if there was a sequel to would be made the, you know, too angry, too black girl and her monster or something like that, uh, what would uh, what would the premise follow? So I'm thinking we go full Alien Covenant. I'm thinking, so like, kind of like how Prometheus how David was was like a sympathetic character who you followed and you kind of you saw his reason you saw how he's being treated and you're like oh man okay uh yeah like yeah David, you're kind of giving the shit stick and people are being not nice to you and stuff and like you know then he then he then kind of he takes a he takes a drastic step at the end and you're like oh fuck okay and then you see him come back in covenant and like completely gone off the edge I kind of want to see that with this um but I want it to be that again that that kind of response that kind of response that's talking about that kind of hurt coming to terms with the idea that it's not the death that's the issue so i would like to see a movie that follows up this where she's constantly bringing people back from the dead and how like uh you know and, and you know equate it to like you know pol- legal policies that don't actually help communities who are suffering but just kind of you know cover up with a band-aid have and have you know have that be the, the allegory is that she's just bringing people back from the dead without actually trying to solve the problem of you know the, mm-hmm. uh, the societal implications of where they are and like you know making meaningful change in the community. Instead, she just brings people back who die from from the you know from the symptoms. You know, not addressing the cause, just trying to you know staunch the bleeding of the symptoms. Um, so have it be yeah. she's constantly bringing people back. You know, even have it be that um, Jada is like maybe maybe you're following Jada in this scenario, and you know she thinks this is great, and you kind of start to see how. Um, uh, you know, her solution is not, Vicaria's solution is not actually uh, helping and kind of see that going mm-hmm. on. And, you know, maybe you have, maybe you have, uh, you know, maybe even have some kind of, um, I don't know, just bring, bring Kenga. I just want Kenga. I'm trying to think about it. Bring Kenga back. <laughs> <laughs> I want Kenga to be part of this as well. Um, but that, to me, that, that'd be an interesting story. I think that would be an interesting uh, way to go is have it be that. Well, this- maybe she brings Kenga back and then Kenga just is the one that kind of teaches her that, okay, maybe dead should stay dead at that point. Cause maybe Kango goes on a rampage or something like that. I actually had a very similar sort of thing mm. in terms of that's what the movie needs to touch in terms of the hubers of bringing everyone back. How is that going to lead to consequences? And also kind of just the, you know, like you said, it's, it's treating the cause, not the symptom, um, making sure that that is something that 
is the internal conflict that Ficaria learns in the second movie. Um, all The only two things I wanted to add to that is that, one, Jordan Peele has to be involved somehow. And two, and this is all my own personal preference, I would like there to be some sort of Frankenstein rampage through the South Park Mall, <laughs> uh, which is the big yuppie mall in our in Charlotte's. Um, like there's marble flooring. They don't have a food court. They have a food pavilion. Uh, so, so, so many Hollisters, that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of Gucci, that sort of thing as well. So that's that's the only two things I would ask for in this pull. But I think you hit the nail on the head. That's where it would need to. Uh, that's where the conflict is kind of going on into. Hmm. Well, I, I like that idea too, because you can even kind of address like kind of redlining and um, you know this uh, kind of low income housing how perpetuates um, uh, you know the the, the the kind of separating the communities because you mentioned like you know that could be part of the idea that like because these communities aren't getting help this is going on and you know they're not really they're not being assisted so they're that you can have that kind of that i don't know i'm trying to think of how to like uh i don't know how have that like hmm. trying to think of how to set how to hmm hmm i'm trying you know like ba- ba- basically make uh make make the same allegory that, that we're that they're making with this one of kengo dealing drugs to try to support the community and kind of that, the idea that like you know when you when you ignore when you ignore a group of people when you when you don't a system when you don't engage, uh, you know, they, you know, the, it's that, that idea that like, you know, they, they resort to it, they can't be, you, know, you, you have to resort to it, you can to survive. And, and in this case, it's, um, uh, instead of, you know, making that, um, it just be the drug trade, you know, that, that have it, have the allegory of that being the, re, the reviving of uh, the revival trade, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of like, you know, when you're not given the proper assistance or you're not given the proper opportunities, you have to find your own way around them and kind of just have that be that same idea. Um, trying to how to how to phrase that properly but you know that's mm-hmm. that's that that's my explanation of it but i i do th- i will say at some point i think what needs to happen is uh kengo needs to have a heart to heart with her and he needs to be like sometimes dead is better and then like mm-hmm. you know <laughs> that's 100 you know what, what needs to happen is he need, like at the end of the thing he needs to be like you know i need to go now you know i need, I need to be killed or whatever you know so he you know he heroically pushes himself off and dies or i don't, I don't know what context this is going to happen uh and then as he's lying down face up with this guy he, you see that and then it kind of like it's you know it's just emblazoned on the sky above him as he fades off into his death sometimes dead and then Stephen too, king on the sky. picks up his phone and is just like give me my lawyer yep and yeah, I mean, I think Stephen King, Stephen King would be cool with it. Maybe, oh yeah, no, he would. He maybe would. this is the origin of the Micmac burial grounds. <laughs> oh wait, or maybe, maybe this is actually it's, it's going to be a sequel. It's going to secretly be tied into Pet Cemetery. And you know, we, you know, we talked about how you know one of our possible sequels to uh, Pet Cemetery could be the the eventual, um, uh, you know, uh, development of the Pet Cemetery into like housing and stuff. And this is secretly just that far future. And it turns out it's not even the uh, it's not even electricity at all. It's just that that, ha- that happens to be built on the McPack burial ground, and mm-hmm. I, there's no burying. I guess that doesn't need to happen anymore. All roads lead back to Stephen King. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I, I think I think that could be good. I think that, I I would like to see a sequel to it, especially I, I would like to see them kind of keep this idea. Um, yeah, like ultimately, this movie definitely is not perfect by any means. I I I would say it's an okay movie. 
Um, I it does push forward a lot of interesting things, and I do want to root for this director. I think there's a lot of promise for this director's career, and I think ultimately, you know, I, I hope he goes on to have a big and successful career, and then everyone looks back at this first movie and is just like, yeah, it's pretty fall, but I, I, I see a lot of pieces of what he was going for, and he's improved a lot on that with his subsequent movies. So I'm going to follow this guy, see how it goes. Uh, once again, the director is uh, Bomani J. Story, and um, yeah, kind of Curious to see where it goes. Oh, and he also wrote it too, which is cool. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is his baby through and through. Yeah, it's like that, that is cool. Like, yeah, like you said, I'd like to see him do some more. I really like. I kind of want to see this cast again. Like, I, I liked the cast a lot. Yeah. Actually, like, I, like, I want to. I'd say the only cast member who like, again, just that little girl. I just think like, she's young, but I, I you know, again, I'd like to see her do more because I think that mm-hmm. I think that she has like. I think I, I know. I just I really want to see her in a horror movie. <laughs> I really want to see. Like, I, obviously, this is a horror movie, but I I think I think she could do a great like her her like creepy little like the, I don't know. She, I think she she captured like if if this if they were to again to do another remake of Pet Cemetery, she would be a great gauge when they come back and just kind of say things in that creepy way. They're just kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. like she she did a good job with that. It just again it just felt weird that she was doing that. With like when since she's talking about somebody who she found to be a friend, <laughs> that's mm. that, that's my only complaint is that like she is just like this is my friend creepy stare and you're like but to you it is your friend why are you creepy staring? <laughs> uh, that's, that's funny. yeah. So good. Stuff. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Once again, this has been Premier Screwheads Talk Horror. Uh, we are active on Facebook and Instagram. So if you have any suggestions, any comments, anything you want to say to us, let it go ahead and let us know. Uh, thank you so much to our opening theme song. That is Horror Movie Story by the Bad Teddy's Atlas. You can get that off the album Children in the Corn. They are good, good Canadian boys. Uh, we're going to continue back in two weeks uh, with our next movie. We're going to go ahead and discuss on that front what exactly it is. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening and stay groovy. Bye.